0: Luke chapter one. When you get there, find verse twenty six. The third week of Advent. You know, it reminds me of where. Where's the year gone, right? What happened to 2019? It's just, it's vanished. It's disappeared. Um, but this is a great season of the time of the year. It's a great time of the year to celebrate. Um, today we're going to talk about Mary. We lit Mary's candle, the pink one, this morning. And we're going to talk about calling. What does that mean, to be called? In verse 26, the Bible says, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You've found favor with God. You'll be with child and give birth to a son. You're going to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked. The angel said, I am a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you said. And then the angel left her. Shall we pray together one more time? Father, we thank you that that this is not just a story. That this really took place 2,000 some years ago and that your son was born to this woman, this young lady called Mary. And we thank you for her obedience to your calling. We thank you that she was willing to to allow you to use her to be part of her your plan of salvation for all of us and the whole world. In it. And Father, we thank you that we can celebrate Christmas for the real reason. That Jesus Christ left the glories of heaven and came to this world. Father, today, as I as I speak about your word, as I share your word today, as I share the message you've laid on my heart, as you've given me throughout the week, I pray, Father, you would speak to each person that's here today. Honor them, Lord. Bless each person that's here today in spite of the weather. Thank you for bringing these folks today out for worship. Father, we just want to praise and worship you. We want to serve you. We want to fulfill our own calling to be your people, to be your church. We ask, Father, that your spirit would come and rest among us. And not only rest here for just a while, but live in us every day. For the glory of your name and for your son, we pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Christmas. Christmas is really about God's calling. We don't think of it that way. We think of it just about the the baby Jesus being born, but it's about a calling. What is a calling in the Christian sense of the word? Calling is a divine summons. It's where God calls out to us, speaks to us personally, and calls us to do something. The first call is always to salvation, to come to Christ, to give your life to Jesus Christ by faith, to trust in Him for your forgiveness of sins, for your salvation. Then it is a, a calling to a divinely ordained work, a task, something that we're all called to do in the church, whether it's to teach a Sunday school, preach a message, uh, serve in a committee, uh, anything, uh, serve on the AV team, whatever. God calls us, puts us in a church, calls us to a certain church to serve Him in that church. Churches are called to divinely ordained works, proclamation of the gospel. That's what the church is supposed to be doing. We're to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to anyone who would listen to us. We're to disciple people, to help them grow in their faith, to help them come to faith, to help them trust in Jesus Christ for the things of their life. People are called to serve God. God called Joseph to be Mary's husband, to be Jesus' earthly father, his legal father. He called Mary to be the mother of the Son of God. In Galatians 4, verse 4, the Bible says this, But when the time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons, and I would say daughters as well. To be called the children of God. Isn't that an amazing gift? To know that you are a child of God, that is a tremendous gift. Mary was that woman. She was that woman when the time had fully come Mary gave birth to the Son, the Son of God. It was her calling by God. Six weeks ago, we lit our first candle. Or I'm sorry, two weeks ago, we lit our first candle. And we, and we uh, talked about John chapter 1, where Jesus, where John tells, tells us that Jesus is, was is God, that He was with God and was God before the beginning of time. And we were reminded the divine became flesh. Last week, we looked at Matthew chapter 1. Remind ourselves of Joseph's role. That Joseph had a very important role to be Jesus' legal father to give him a name. And he had a role. He had a calling in the birth of Christ. And just as God sent an angel to Joseph to reassure him and to remind him of his calling, God also sent an angel to Mary. If you have your outline ready, that's point number one. God sent an angel to Mary, just as he had done as he had done for Joseph. The Bible says a lot about angels. There's fallen angels and there's holy angels. But there's only two angels in the entire Bible with names, Michael and Gabriel. They're often referred to as archangels, special ones. Because they have names, because they are named in the Bible, they're thought to be at the top of the angelic hierarchy. Satan at one time was thought thought to have been an archangel who fell. He let his pride get a hold of them, and he tried to usurp God's role in the universe. And God cast him out of heaven. M- Matthew tells us the angel went to Mary was Gabriel. Gabriel, his name means strong man of God. I like that, don't you? Strong man of God. God's angelic messenger, Gabriel, was, is a willing servant of God. He does whatever God wants him to do. He's totally committing to serving God. That's his calling. Never thought about that, have you, probably, about angels being called? To serve, they're created to serve. It's a little bit different role than you and I, but still a calling, still a service. Let's look at verse 26 with me. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The sixth month is a reference to Elizabeth, not Mary. Mary's not pregnant yet at this point right here. This is a reference to uh, Mary's relative Elizabeth and she's pregnant. Mary's still a virgin at this point. She's still a virgin. She's waiting to marry Joseph. It hasn't taken place yet, but but she's not she's not married in the legal full legal sense. She's in that pledged period, that the betrothal period. And Gabriel goes to her, he sent her with a message that she's going to have a child too but hers would be a very special child. Unlike anybody else's child, this was a special sign. And Gabriel spoke to Mary a wonderfully reassuring message. Look at verse 28. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Man, if I ever meet an angel in this life or in the next, I hope he says that to me. Don't you? That's what I want to hear from the angels. That God is with me, that that I'm favored by God, and I want that for others as well. The phrase, you are highly favored the Lord is with you, is meant to show that God's grace is the reason why Mary had been chosen to be Jesus' mother. Mary wasn't holy enough in and of herself. None of us would be holy for that kind of a a role or that kind of service. She wasn't religious enough. She wasn't wealthy enough. She hadn't given enough money to get God's attention. She was called according to God's grace. And this is how we should see our calling, whatever it is in life. Whatever God has called us to, He has has called us through His grace to serve Him, the Most High God. That's how we should see ourselves, as being graced by Him. I consider it a privilege to be able to preach God's Word. I I don't deserve it. It's not something that I went to seminary and earned the right to do. I feel that I was called to do it. As shortcoming as I am at times, as as, uh, inadequate as I feel at times, I was called to do this. If we respond in faith to God's calling on our lives, and that's what it is, we're called to something in life, we will be blessed by God. That's a promise in Scripture in Psalm 62.12. You, O Lord, are loving. Surely you will reward each person according to what he has done. Psalm 62.12 is an encouragement that if we do what God calls us to do, he will bless us, but also it's an admonition that we ought to be doing it as well. We need to do it. We need to follow through and and answer God's calling because surely He's going to reward us according to what we've done for Him in His name and what we haven't done as well. Point number two on your outline this morning. What the angel said next troubled Mary. Let me just ask you, wouldn't that trouble you if an angel came and said to you and talked to you? That would initially be troubling, right? Amen? Yeah. Because we've never encountered that type of spiritual being. We've never encounter that type of being at all it would be an overwhelming experience verse 29 mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be she's thinking in her mind she's not speaking out loud she's not responding to the angel but yet he knows what she's thinking we're reading this two thousand years later so we know the whole story right we know what's going to happen But all Mary knew at that moment was what Gabriel told her in that moment. So it's understandable that she was troubled, that an angel would come to her, a young girl, no one who was special, who was unmarried, and tell her she's about to become pregnant. That would be a troubling thing to hear. So he repeats his greeting again. Look at verse 30. He says in verse 30, But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, you found favor with God. He realizes she's troubled. She's worried. She's concerned. And so he repeats this back to her to reassure her. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. Gabriel, knowing she was struggling to understand what he was saying to her, he reassures her that she's okay with God. Everything's okay. That actually God favors you. That you don't need to be worried. You don't need to be uh, concerned. Actually, he highly Favors you. Did you see that as well? You have found favor with God. You are highly favored. He said first time. If I'm going to be favored by God, I want to be highly favored. Don't you? Yeah, that's a great way to be thought of by God. That's how I want God to think of me. And then He begins to explain what God was going to do through her. Verse 31. You will be with child and give him give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. He will be great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob. Forever his kingdom will never end. The baby would be called the son of the most high. Why didn't he just say, why didn't Gabriel just say, Jesus is going to be the son of God? Why didn't he just say that he does later on? Why didn't he do it there? By using that longer phrase, Gabriel's emphasizing, he's emphasizing who God is. He is the most high God. Now that we know as Christians, we believe there's only one God. And yet the unbelieving world around us has always believed there are multiple gods, hundreds of gods, thousands of gods. Well, in reality, there's only one God. But if you want to think of many gods, then there's only one high God. And that's the God of the Bible. And yet we know, as I said, there's just one God. There are no gods greater than God of the Bible, than Yahweh. And Jesus is his son. And Jesus is. God as well Gabriel also said God would give Jesus the throne of his earthly descendant his, his I'm sorry his ancestor David David was the second king of Israel he was an anointed king he had an eternal he was promised an eternal throne not by any of his blood children in a sense that that uh, of his immediate son or his grandson or, or things like that those quit those early generations but later on it would be an eternal kingdom. Jesus' kingdom will never end. He'll never be overthrown. He'll never be defeated. He'll never be conquered. He'll never be destroyed. Jesus is the king of a kingdom that will never end. That's who we serve. That's who we give our lives to. This is the one who will live forever. And this is where Gabriel announces Jesus' messiahship. Jesus was born to be the messiah, the king the Jews had been longing for. Ever since the time Nebuchadnezzar's army marched to Jerusalem and destroyed the entire city, including the temple, in AD or BC 589, they'd been waiting for a new king. Mary was called to a very special role in history. There'll be no one else ever like her again. Never again. She was called to a very special role. She carried within her an eternal King, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who would save His people by dying for them on a cross. She didn't deserve this role, this calling. She didn't earn this calling, but she was called to it by the grace of God. And whatever you and I do for the church, big or little, whatever, significant, insignificant, minor, major, we do it by the grace of God because He's called us to do that. Christmas is about God's grace being extended to all of us through God's Son, Jesus Christ. And the Bible describe, describes God's grace as His favor. Psalm 90, verse 17, May the favor of the Lord our God rest on you. That's a great prayer that you and I should pray for people around us today who are struggling in life with either money or health or, or family issues or just being, being separated from God and are lost, don't know what to do. We should pray for them. May the favor of our Lord, our God, rest upon them. Amen? Mary's still troubled though, so she asked the angel to explain what he said. That's point number three on your outline this morning. She's troubled. She's still wrestling with all of this. And I don't blame her. Look at verse 34. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. She asked me, how will this be? She didn't understand. She was troubled, so she asked. So Gabriel explains again how this is going to happen. Verse 35, the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. He makes it even a little bit more simpler this time. doesn't he? I like that. He's patient with her. Very patient with her. She's struggling to come to terms with what she's being told. I like the fact that Gabriel explains again and again, and he simplifies. Every time he tries to explain this, he makes it a little bit more simpler for her. I like the fact, it reminds me that angels are our servants too. They don't just serve God. God sends them at times when we need them to serve us. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14 says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? There's the idea of angels being Guardian angels. Kind of gives that, there's an idea of that in Revelation. I don't know if they're really guardian angels. I don't know if we all have an assigned guardian, an angel when we're born. I don't know about that. I don't really believe in that. I don't care. I have the Holy Spirit who's stronger than any angel. God is with me no matter where I go. I have Jesus as my Savior and Lord. So I don't really think I need to worry about having an angel. And I wouldn't encourage you to, to really focus too much on that. But they have this role of serving us. Angels went and they ministered to Jesus and strengthened him in the garden, didn't they? before he went to the cross? Gabriel's patient with her, and she struggles to learn and struggles to understand, so he makes things simple for her. Now Jesus is interesting in this sense. He's born of a woman, so he's human in one aspect, and yet he's divine in the other, and they're co-equal, and he has to be both. He had a human nature by virtue of his mother, but he was also divine because he was not conceived in the usual way. There's no sexual activity. Gabriel said simply, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. God would come and do something in her to conceive the Son. He's conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit working in her and Mary. Mary was a virgin until she gave birth. So there's no sexual activity here. And because of his divine nature, Jesus was sinless, but Mary was not sinless. Mary was just like you and I in that sense. She was fully human, so she was a sinner as well. And although God graced her with His favor, she still needed a Savior as all of us do. Amen? That's right. We all do. For for all of sin to come short of the glory of God, we've all, like sheep, strayed, including Mary. And then Gabriel tells her again that Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother is pregnant. Her, Her relative is pregnant too. Verse 36. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. So here's this older woman, a relative, and she's pregnant as well. Even though she's beyond childbearing age, she's already carrying John the Baptist, who would announce Jesus to the world. Then Gabriel said something that always gives me hope. I read this, the statements. And I just really, really picks up my heart because of what Gabriel says here in verse 37. Look what he says. For nothing is impossible with God. Man. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Nothing is impossible with God. It's all right to be unsure about what God will do. How will he do it? Will he be able to get this done? Will he fix our, our problems? Will he, will he help us? It's okay to be unsure about that. That's why we're called to be people of faith. We have to trust God to do the things we can't do. Things that He said He would do. Things that we need to rely upon Him to do. That's called faith. Jesus says something like this to to a man whose son was possessed by a a demonic spirit. In Mark chapter 9, verse 23, a a father goes to Jesus. He first went to the apostles. They could do nothing about the, the son who was possessed. So the father goes to Jesus and he asks him if he can Please help my son. Jesus told the man everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately the the, the boy's father explained, I do believe. Help help me overcome my unbelief. So he wants to believe that Jesus can do what Jesus said he can do. So he asked Jesus to help him with his unbelief. It's okay to be unsure about God at times. It's okay to, to look at the mountain in your life and say, man, that's a big mountain. That's a big obstacle. That's a lot of work. God's going to have to do it. And so then you have to wait on God to work. Take care of that mountain. Deal with that issue. Whatever you're going through right now, it's never so bad. It's not nothing so terrible that God can't do something to make it better. And God wants to shower His grace, His favor on you. It's why Jesus was born. It's why He went to the cross later in His life. It's why He rose up from the grave and overcame death. To give you grace and favor with God. But first, we have to accept the calling to salvation. Before you can really experience the grace of God in its fullness, you have to have that relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And if you do that, if you respond to the calling of salvation first, then He'll call you to something even greater than that. A sense of serving God some way. It brings meaning to your life. Purpose to your life. Joy. God will deal with the salvations that we're going through, right, the circumstances we're going through right now. But we have to believe in Him. We have to believe that He can do things we can't do. Mary accepted God's calling for herself. Look at verse 38. She says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. We're a lot like Mary in some ways, aren't we? Men and women. We have to leave things to God and we have to accept things from God as they are and believe in God and trust Him. Even though things look impossible, we can still trust in him to take care of these things. Our, our uh, invitation song today is I Surrender All. As we sing this song, and just in your heart where you are, you just surrender your life And whether you're a Christian already or looking and or, you know, seeking God. And if you have a sense of God's calling you to salvation today, to trust in Jesus, come forward, I'd be glad to pray with you and help you deal with that, all right? Let's stand as we get ready to sing and we'll pray one more time. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time in your house and with your people. And I pray, Father, you'd speak to us through this song. Bless and watch over us, Father, as we sing. Father, we just thank you for your son in this time of the year that we can celebrate his birth, his coming. And we pray, Father, that uh, you will guide and direct our lives, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.